We're going to talk about um, life, death, and then life after death. thought it was a obvious uh, no-brainer to what we should be talking about. Um, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, and there's no overheads or anything, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, even before that, God knew all about you. He created you in his image. He made you unique. He considered you very special, and he loved you. Jeremiah chapter 1. Turn your Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 1. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God knew all about you. Jeremiah chapter 1. And in verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So life starts for God. Life, Your life started long before you were conceived. And he knew you were coming. And you were very special. And you are unique. And you were created in his image. And he loves you. Okay, so when you were born, that's your first birth, that's a physical birth into a physical world, you received your life from him, your body was especially designed by him, so you may not like the way you look, but God created it and designed it this way. Your soul, when you were born physically into the world, was ready to receive and absorb and become you. Your soul is, of course, your mind and your will and your emotions, and they just absorb, and that's what helps to create who you are. God, when you were born, your first birth physically, had plans for you, things for you to do with him, and he designed you for a purpose. Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 5, says that Jeremiah was appointed as a prophet to the nations. God had a purpose for him before he was conceived. When he was born, the purpose was still there. And he knows every detail of your life, including how long you're going to live. So that's your physical birth. When you are born again, that's your second birth, and that's a spiritual birth, you stepped into the plan and the purpose that God had for your life. It wasn't designed after you got saved. It was designed before you were conceived. That means every person in the world, God has a plan and a purpose for them. Long before they were conceived, definitely before they were born, and they haven't stepped into it yet. Your plan and the purpose God has for your life is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. You don't need a prophetic word to tell you what God's plan for your life is. The prophetic word should confirm what you already know. The Holy Spirit, when you were born again, begins to guide and to direct you into his plan for your life. And the foundation is laid. The foundation for the plan and the purpose God has for your life is a personal relationship with him. You becoming who you're supposed to be. So you're growing and you're maturing. You're walking in the light that you have. You're hearing God's voice and doing what he speaks. And you've become involved in the greatest adventure of seeking and saving the lost. When you're born again, born spiritually, 
that's your second birth, God pours into you. There's this great investment in you, all of it by grace. You receive it all by grace because you have become a new creature in Christ. So God invests that all in you, and it sits there until your first death. And many people, when they teach this, miss this point. As soon as you're born again, so you have your first birth, then you have your second birth, physical and then spiritual. As soon as you become born again, the next step is your first death, which is the death of you, the death of self or your soul. Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to wait till you find the verses. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you are born physically, you are born again, or born spiritually. The next step is that you have to die. You die to self. You die to your dreams, your hopes, your desires, your agenda, and your plans. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Woo! <laughs> this is the step most people miss, and then they wonder why they never fulfill God's plan or purpose for their life, which has existed since you were before you were conceived. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, you know them. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you have to die to self so that the life of Christ can come alive in you and then come through you into the world so that you can begin to walk in the plan and purpose of God for your life. Galatians 2.20. give you another one. You, and we know all these verses. Acts 17 says, In him we live and we move and we have our being. Acts 17.28. So your soul has to die in, a, in the sense of be buried with Christ so it can be raised to new life. Now, if your soul is three things, your mind, your will, and your emotions, that means you have to renew your mind with God's word, Romans 12, 2. You have to have the mind of Christ, Romans 2, 18. You're no longer pursuing your will, your desires, your decisions. You can know the will of God. That's Romans 12, 2 again. It's also 2 Timothy 2. And your emotions are transformed and you now take pleasure in what gives him pleasure. Have you ever thought about that? 
Most of us ignore our emotions. And for a lot of people, emotions are negative. And yet we're supposed to be so transformed that we take pleasure, that's an emotion, in the things that gives God pleasure. And that's Philippians 1.17. So your heart can then feel what he's feeling. 1 Thessalonians 3.9. So you have this pre-birth where God has you planned and his purpose for you planned. And then you have your physical birth and then you have your spiritual birth or you're born again. And then you have to die to self. And you can't skip that point. So up to that point, you have been in receive and embrace mode, or what I call absorb mode. God's doing it, and you're receiving it. It's called grace, and you reach out in the faith that God gave you, and you receive it. So go to Ephesians chapter 2. So we've got to get past the receive and absorb mode and embrace mode. All these verses should be very familiar to you. Ephesians 2, if you haven't guessed it by now, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's uh, embrace, absorb, and receive mode. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But at this point in time, as you die to yourself, the first death... It's a soul death or a self death. This is the time that you begin to receive, sorry, the time when you begin to give God a return on all that he's invested. So up till now, it's all absorb, receive, and embrace. But at this point, now he wants a return on his investment. And at this point, you're now ready to begin to give him a return on his investment because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And if you look at the original, that's before the foundations of the earth, that we should walk in them. So now God is expecting, now that you've been buried in baptism with Christ, you've been buried to self, and you've, been, you've risen to his life living through you, he's expecting you to do something, and they're called good works. And that's not cooking uh, cookies for your neighbor. It really, Jesus never did that. <laughs> so at this point in time, the next step for anybody who's a true believer would be the baptism in the Holy Spirit because you need to be empowered and enabled to do what Jesus did, to do the good works that he's called you to. Okay, so in John chapter 4, you don't have to go there, verse 14 talks about a well of salvation. He's talking to the woman at the well, and Jesus talks about this well of living water coming out of a well of salvation. You'd find that also in Isaiah chapter 12. And then in John chapter 7, Jesus talks about the rivers of living water. So you have to get saved to have a well, and then you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the well becomes a river. No one else can drink from your well, but everybody can drink from your river or rivers, because it is actually plural. Once you have the rivers of living waters flowing out from you, remember Christ is living his life through you, now you can begin to do the plan and the purpose of God for your life. Now you can join him in your his work, and his work is simple. It's seeking and saving the lost. 
Now you're empowered to do that. He's created you and called you to do the same thing that he came to do, which is seek and save the lost. Now he may call you to do something else above that, but that's the start. And you have nine supernatural gifts that Jesus used to minister in his three years of ministry, and he's given them to you to minister through. So John 14, 12. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, that's in the Greek, it actually said, that means, listen up, I'm not kidding, I'm not fooling. Whoever believes in me, that's us, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father, and if you take it in context, I will send the Holy Spirit on you. And then you'll be empowered and enabled to do what I did. So now you're able to minister in the community where you live, where you work, and where you play. And there you should be seeing people come to Christ. You should see lives being transformed. You should see new believers growing into disciples who then go out and make more disciples. That's what should be happening. Because at this point, you are a minister of reconciliation. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. And as you do those two things, as you work as an ambassador and as you work as a minister of reconciliation, that's 2 Corinthians 5.20, by the way, then God gives you rewards. And this is why I wanted to get to this point. There are five rewards that you receive when you die five rewards that are possible for you to have when you enter into the fullness of eternity. These are the five rewards that are available to believers when you finally step into the manifest presence of Jesus himself in heaven. Okay? I'm going to tell you what they are, but if you want the longer version, it'll be online tomorrow on the Apex Facebook page and on my website. Okay, first one is you get the crown of life. That's James 1, verse 12. That's given to those who are faithful to the end in spite of temptations and trials and tribulations and circumstances and situations. So if you've been faithful and you still believe in Jesus when you die, and you've, even though it's been a struggle, you'll get the crown of life. Second one is you get an imperishable wreath. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And that's an imperishable wreath. Sorry. And that's when you're running the race and you're staying focused. Or let me give it another way. You're not a spiritual spectator. So if you have a flat derriere and you're not used to doing things for the kingdom, this one won't be yours. This is not for those who are spiritual spectators. Third one is the crown of exaltation. 1 Thessalonians 2. It's for those who are consistent soul winners. Didn't say you have to win them. You have to go out and try. As long as you're sharing the gospel, this could be yours. The fourth one is the crown of righteousness. And it's not the righteousness of Christ. It's the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And that goes to those who lived their life with their eyes on the Lord's second coming. 
And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to get that one, I don't think, when I get to heaven, because I don't think very often of the Lord's second coming. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth one is the crown of glory. And that's found in Second Peter, chapter 5. And that's those who have faithfully served the Lord's people in some selfish manner so that he gets the glory. So, when someone dies and they stand before the Lord, these are the rewards they're going to receive, could receive, may receive. And while the Holy Spirit and you are fulfilling the call on your life, why the Holy Spirit and you are fulfilling the purpose for which God created you, Jesus is busy preparing a place for you in heaven. That's John 14, 2. John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? So, John 14, 2. In heaven... Jesus is already building you the place of your residence and it's going to be waiting for you when you get there. I'm not sure we're going to be that interested in where we're going to live. It'd be more interested in finding our way around heaven. <laughs> so, okay. So, when you get to heaven, there's a place waiting for you and possible five different rewards that God will give to you. Crown of life, an imperishable wreath, the crown of exaltation, the crown of righteousness, and the crown of glory. Don't get too excited. Because if you got those things, the first time you see Jesus in person, you're going to throw them at his feet. Because that's what the elders did. Because they really belonged to him anyways. Because it was him working through you. Because you're dead You've already experienced your first death when you were baptized. So then for the born-again believer, there's the second death, which is your physical death. And that's what Hebrews 9 says. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes judgment. That's Hebrews 9.27. As believers, thank you, Jesus, we are not judged for our sins. They are totally forgiven forgotten as far away as the east is from the west or in the deepest part of the ocean with a no fishing sign. We're judged for the works that we're called and empowered to accomplish or the ministry God gave you or the plan and the purpose he had for you before you were even conceived. And if we have succeeded in fulfilling that plan and that purpose and worked at it, then you will receive your rewards. The judgment and the rewards are based on what you did with what he gave you. So what did he give you? Well, he gave you some natural abilities. He gave you the skills that you learned, the talent that you possess, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, your personality, if you'll work at it. <laughs> How did those things benefit the kingdom? 
during the days that God allotted you on the earth. Because only he knows how many days you're going to have. And then the final step, after the second death, because you're all thinking it's the first death, it's the second death, because you already died to self, is life in heaven. And eventually life on the new earth. So, you have physical life, spiritual life, soul or soul or self death and then physical death that make sense okay most people miss that first death death to self and therefore miss the plan and the purpose of god for their life when you get to heaven and this one would take a week of teaching so let me just skim the rock across the surface of the water your soul or your character will go with you into eternity that's why you're here, is so that you can mature and grow in your character. The spirit is born again, so it enters heaven. And when you get to heaven, you'll be given a glorious body when you arrive. Isn't that neat? It's eternity, so there's no time frames. Some of us are going to have an awful time, no watches. There's no 24-7 there's no 365 days. Uh, you will have things that you must do because work is not part of the curse. Work existed before the curse. So if you think you're going to just sit on a cloud and eat Philadelphia cream cheese for the rest of eternity, you're wrong. I like Philadelphia cream cheese, but... Yeah. So you'll continue to learn You'll continue to grow. You'll continue to develop because there's always more to know, more to understand, more to apply. You will continue life as you now experience it. You will eat. You will drink. You will fellowship. You will celebrate every time someone on earth gets saved. I'm sure we'll celebrate many other things. You'll have a place to live, one that Jesus built specifically for you. Your new body will look like it's about mid-30s, and you'll be at the peak of your physical health. People will recognize you. Those who know you here will know you there. New relationships will be built because heaven is all about relationships, not programs. There will be amazing worship. Amazing worship. We think we experience worship. Maybe we do. But there will be amazing worship. Awesome worship. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation. I've been in a service where there were 11 languages being sung. It is amazing. It is like an orchestra of people all singing the same tune but all using different words. There's no ability to see what is happening back on earth. You won't want to see it, in fact. There's no ability to communicate with those you've left behind. There's no visiting rights granted. It's done. There's no pain, no sorrow, no sighing, no tears, because you will see the big picture. You will come to understand all the whys that we don't know now. God will answer all the why things happened as they did.
and there's one heck of a lot more. If you want to read a good book, and it's a long book, there's a book called Heaven, and it's by Randy Elkhorn. It's a classic. There's two versions of it. There's the 500-page version, and there's the 200-page version. Um, when my mom died 11 years ago, my sister said to me, who's a born-again Christian? She said, so what is heaven like? So I gave her the book. It's just too much to explain in a teaching. So, without Jesus, people are born and they live and they die and they go to hell. With Jesus, we have physical life, spiritual life, self-death, physical death, and eternal life. It sounds much better, does it not? So, so the key to the teaching that I'm trying to get across is there's this part where we have to learn to die to self. And many of us got baptized in water by immersion and lost or never knew the meaning. And when we came out of the water, we were as self-centered as we were when we went into the water. It's a dying to self and a rising to Christ so that he can then live his life through us and the rest of what he's asking us to do his plan and purpose for our life is impossible to fulfill without that death so there's physical life spiritual life soul death self-death and then physical death and then eternal life in that order <laughs>